As an independent retailer, you have the opportunity to serve a diverse customer base by employing people who reflect the demographics of your community. For Gina Schaefer, owner of a few cool hardware stores, a 13-store operation in Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, analyzing her company's hiring practices, turnover rates, and employee satisfaction helped ensure she was hiring and leading a diverse team. Learn more by tuning into NHPA's April 21st webinar on how to lead diverse teams at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Register to attend the webinar today by visiting yournhpa.org webinars. Welcome to another episode of Hardware Retailing's podcast, Tell Me More, hosted by myself, Renee Shagnon. Today, we're talking to Brett Thorne of Thorne Lumber Company in Chillicothe, Missouri. We spoke to Brett in episode 14 of the podcast, and we talked about his business and his own podcast, Building the Future. My colleague Todd Tabor is joining us as well, uh, and while we're bringing Brett back, and we're so excited to catch up with him today, so I just want to welcome both Brett and Todd to the show. It's good to be here. Renee? It's great to be back. I have one person that has been on three episodes and no one else has been a repeat. So you're my first or you're my second repeat. So you should feel pretty honored to be a repeater because there aren't uh, yeah, many always, of those. I always tell my guests the repeat offenders. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like friend of the podcast, friend of the pod. Yes, yes. Yeah. There you go. That's um, good. That's a good way to, to uh, swing it. So before we really hop into some questions here, um, I'd love if you wouldn't mind sharing a little background about yourself with our listeners, um, Brett, because uh, hopefully they've listened to your podcast already, but if they haven't, the, or the episode that I did with you originally, but if they haven't, I'd love to maybe share your Cliff's Notes version um, and just get, get them up to speed on who you are, how you got involved in the industry, and just a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. As you said, Brett Thorne, I'm in Chillicothe, Missouri, or North Missouri. I was born into this industry. It's a family business. We've been in the retail lumber and hardware sales for over 30 years now. Both my parents were on the wholesale side prior to coming to the retail side. We have three locations, all of them in rural Missouri. We're in communities that range from 3,000 to 10,000 people. Our operations service the professional customer primarily is about 70% of our business. And then the other 30% is going to be your walk-in, your do-it-yourself, your homeowner kind of trade. Myself personally, been in, as I said, my entire life. I actually started a podcast which was pretty green when you and I met last year. It rolled out January of 2020. Had I known what was laying ahead, I maybe would not have embarked on that adventure with everything else that was going on. But it is an industry podcast called Building the Future Podcast. It's a, for me, selfishly, it's been a great way to really strengthen my roots in the industry. I've gotten to connect with so many amazing people. The idea of the podcast was just an opportunity to help educate people in the industry or those that are maybe interested in learning about the industry. I try to reach out to specialists, to companies, to products, and let them kind of display or talk about what it is they do to build our industry. We awesome. do two episodes a month, and we are 
officially on year two, and things are going well. Congratulations. Is that a good enough? Is that short enough, Cliff Notes? Is that too no, much, that's, actually? No, that's perfect. I love it. I love it. Um, so before we hop into some more, Todd, would you mind, for anyone who's listening and hearing the other the other voice on the line, uh, maybe introduce yourself and tell them a little about who you are and your involvement with uh, NHPA and Hardware Retailing Magazine. Yeah. Uh, first of all, this is my first time on a podcast, so I just feel honored that it's the Tell Me More podcast. So thank you. <laughs> yes. Of course. Uh, of course, of course. So my name is Todd Tabor. I've been an employee of the North American Hardware and Paint Association for just under four years now. Uh, I'm currently the trends editor. So if you subscribe to our weekly newsletter, you've probably read some of the news articles I've written. And if you sub subscribe to the monthly uh, print magazine, you've probably seen some of my features as well. So uh, I've been to a few markets. Uh, it's been a while now with COVID-19 that we haven't seen each other in person, but uh, I've been walking around taking some photos. So if you're listening to this podcast, you may have seen that guy with a camera at a market before, and that may have been me. But uh, no, it's just nice to be here, and I'm just really, really happy to be here with Renee and Brett. So. Great. Well, I'm going to use you as my as my co-host of sorts at, at some parts here. So uh, I might I might call out your name here and there, Todd. Sounds good. Um, so as we mentioned in the intro, you were on the podcast back in April 2020. I couldn't remember if we recorded it in 2020 or in April or if it was March. It sounds like I think it was April. I'm I'm trying to remember. But anyways, it's been basically almost a year at this point. So I'd love to know what has changed in your business in that time, which I think everyone's seen changes in their business, but maybe just tell us a little bit about your experience from it and some of the takeaways you might have. Yeah, um, everything. <laughs> Everything's changed, Renee. <laughs> you know, and I think that our industry has definitely seen a lot of change, as all industries have, as our entire mm -hmm. world and the economy live in has all seen and experienced a lot of change over the last year. I would say, you know, our industry has had been very fortunate during this time. You know, the building materials industry, the construction industry, they were all deemed as essential early on and throughout the entire pandemic. So that's been a, a blessing for our industry. Mm -hmm. And it has really, really been a busy, busy time. Um, you know, it's navigating all the new policies and procedures and everything that's going on for safety, for employees, for communities. It has been a, a challenge in itself. But then you look at kind of what our industry has experienced throughout this pandemic, and it, it was the perfect storm, really. You had people that were at home so much more now. There were a lot of honeydew lists that got done last year. Mm -hmm. And then the home itself, it transformed into so much more. The home now became the classroom because kids were at home. The home became the office because people were now working from home. It became the gymnasium. It became everything that it maybe was not before. So that really changed people's minds about the home and about what they wanted to do with it. They needed more space. The family was there now more hours of the day, more days of the week. So they had to finish out basements where they wanted to put that deck on because they needed more living space or they were in a room that they weren't normally in that now became the office and they decided they wanted to get, decorate it. So they painted the walls. There was just so much going on with the home that that really helped our business. 
another part of it was, you know, people weren't traveling as much as normal. I mean, everything was restricted. People weren't taking a normal family vacation. They weren't going to Disney World. So they were investing into their home. They were making improvements there. That really helped us as well. And then you look at some of the economic things, such as the low interest rates that we have experienced over the last 12 months. And that was a driver for the new home market because people now that were maybe on the fence or had been thinking about building a home decided, that, yeah, now's a great time to do that because we can lock in these low rates, stuff that we haven't seen in some people's lifetimes. So yeah. when you look at all of that, it really was the perfect storm and our industry really did have a lot going on that really kind of kept everybody busy and changed everything. What I take away from last year, probably some of the key things that I really think stood out to me was, number one, communication is so vital and so important, both internally and externally. I mean, there was just so much going on all the time that you had to be well communicated with your people, with your suppliers, with your customers, just everything was ever evolving and changing so those lines of communication you had to have a lot of bandwidth in those to have be able to get those messages out as many ways as possible and as quickly as possible and to be able to talk about what was coming down the pipeline especially with a lot of product shortages and delays and things to be able to especially with customers on the professional side so they could plan and prepare for their projects so that they, everybody can keep working the ways we communicate are very important too and I'm very proud of our industry because I think that even though our hand was forced a little bit we did adapt very well to the technology upgrades I mean I've been on more like many people I've been on more zoom meetings in the last year than I've been in my entire life combined prior to this and I think the industry has always been a little bit slow maybe a little bit behind the curve when it comes to technology mm -hmm. but I think we really caught up and we did a great job of adapting to that and and moving forward. Another thing I took away from what we've just experienced is, you know, when you look at your overall business, I mean, inefficiencies are so important to be on top of those at all times, especially when conditions are calm and normal, because when you get into a time of chaos or a time of turbulence, all those inefficiencies all get magnified. So yeah. be on top of them regularly and just running healthy operations and constantly attacking the inefficiencies and being as efficient as possible really does go a long way whenever things do get a little bit turbulent. Yeah, I think that's, I agree with you. I think um, just from retailers I've spoken to and kind of what, what we've been seeing in general is that our industry has stepped up and has found ways to... Um, you know, I've heard from a lot of retailers who are like, yeah, we we had buy online, pick up in store, but we never really did anything with it. And now it's something that we're regularly doing. And even once this is over, we see people using it as a convenient way to shop with us. They can buy online, come to the parking lot. We run it out to them. They're good to go. Um, so I think it's just finding things like that. It's been really exciting to see retailers stepping up and and um just evolving and, and moving with the times and adapting because you kind of had no other choice, really. It's so much shifting and changing of direction, and everybody did such a great job. At, you yeah. Know, I, I remember I was talking to somebody, I said I called it kind of the linebacker approach. I mean, your head was on a swivel at all times because you didn't know what was coming and from what direction, and you just you had to be light on your feet. You had to be ready to change direction in an instant's notice and to be able to pivot and shift and to move. 
and I think that we did that really well. And I say we as an in, in industry. I think that mm-hmm. we really were able to handle that and all the changes that were coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I think the next uh, industry market or event you attend when it's allowed to be in person and you know people are feeling secure, there's going to be a lot of... Uh, uh, commiserating and kind of getting together, having drinks with friends and just like catching up on, was this a fever dream? Like, did this all happen? So I think it'll be fun to yeah, see actually, everyone you know, again. When I went back and listened to our podcast, you know, even back in April when we were talking, we were talking about how, how much people were, you know, just striving and wanting that personal connection that they maybe hadn't had for a few weeks. And now yeah. it's been months. <laughs> So what's business, what's business been like at your store now? And you have three locations, so you do serve a strong mix of DIYers and pro customers, um, which gives you a unique vantage point. How would you say pro sales are compared to DIY sales in 2021 so far? And like, what are some of those popular projects with DIYers in spring right now that you're seeing? Sure, so last year, you know, both DIY and pro sales were up uh, dramatically on both sides of the fence. Um, and again, kind of some of the things I talked about there that really drove that. Um, rolling into this year, I mean, we're just now kind of starting to get into the building season. We just thawed out. We've got the snow's finally gone. Um, and we are definitely, there's a lot of traffic right now. Um, I would say probably maybe not quite as much DIY as we had had last year but again I don't I think some of the factors that that honeydew list that got checked off last year it's a lot thinner this year because it had been accumulating for years and years and years and they had time last year now maybe it's it's just got one or two items on it so it's not nearly as deep but I still think you're going to see people continue to take advantage of those um, projects around the house you know improving the home and especially with you know what you've got going on with the, the housing market the the availability or lack of availability of homes. You know, I keep in contact with a lot of realtors and I watch the markets on that and the supply of homes out there, available homes is, is very limited. And then the, obviously that's been a big driver in the value of homes. So now people are saying that, you know, the, what people are paying for the home is above and beyond what the asking price is. So maybe that is limiting some people to take them out of the housing market to where maybe they're ready to upgrade. They've got uh, more children or they need more space. So they're maybe now continuing to work on their home a little bit just to improve it. So saying, okay, we're going to be in this for a couple more years. Let's make some upgrades. Are there any, like, I know you said there's not as many DIY projects. Are there any right now that you're kind of noticing that are more popular or is it just, you know, this typical, you know, staining a deck or that type of thing? Like, is there anything that you're noticing as a trend right now? Not right now. Um, last year, you know, paint and um, uh, decking products were was a major yeah. trend. But I think, you know, everybody throughout the industry saw that. Um, yeah. But I would say right now I haven't noticed anything. Uh, but then again, we are still pretty. I mean, we're here in the Midwest, so... You know, we did just come, matter of fact, I think they got snow in the forecast for the weekend, which is not very <laughs> pleasing to me. We finally got some sunshine. Um, I know. But, um, so, yeah, we're, we're still early on. One of, the, uh, one of the things we'll talk about in the April issue of Hardware Retailing is that uh, new data from the National Association of Home Builders says that the price of lumber from, uh, from April 2020 until now has 
skyrocketed about 180%. And I'm wondering how that's kind of influencing sales at your at your uh, location, because I know you're so strong in lumber, and I'm wondering how that, how that sort of plays out on the ground for a retailer like you. You know, believe it or not, it, it has slowed it a little bit, but not much, in all honesty. Actually, you know, the National Association of Home Builders, they're one that I follow. They do the Eye on Housing Report, and I yeah. read it frequently. Um, so last, well, I think it was October, November, lumber hit an all-time high, but we just topped that like three weeks ago. So it's yeah. just continually at these, these, these new high water marks and stuff. But again, I'm going to go back to those low interest rates, yeah. and I think that is truly the driver on a lot of this. Um, and you've seen everything follow suit. I mean, now you've got steel, you've got roofing, you've got all the other product categories that go into that new construction. They've all followed suit, and they're all taking increases. But from what we're seeing, the pipeline is still full. I mean, yeah, people are kind of balking a little bit about those numbers, but it's not stopped them. I mean, it's maybe slowed it just a little bit, but truly the, the momentum is there. Nice, nice. So that's good and for... that's what we're hearing from the field. That's what we're hearing from the, the our customers that are out there doing this day in and day out. They're the ones out there building. And they're all telling us that, you know, they're, they've got more work now than they've ever had. Um, so we talked about it earlier, but I'd love to touch on it again. Um, when I first spoke to you, you had literally a few months before had just launched your new podcast. So I'd love to know a little bit about what has it been like now that you've kind of had this podcasting experience under your belt. What are some of the things you've learned along the way? Are there any any guests you've had that have been like, I'm sure everyone has been insightful, but like, is there anything that sticks out from any of the episodes you've gotten to do? And like, how did you find time to do two episodes a month in addition to everything else? Like, was it outside of work hours or how, how do you kind of do this passion project? Yeah, the, the experience has been an amazing experience and I, I'm still doing it. That's how much I enjoy it and how much value I found in it. It has been a, a, large time sacrifice but in my opinion it's well worth it um, for me it's an opportunity to give back to the industry it's basically just a journey to where I say you know I am learning I am growing I'm improving and I am doing it publicly so hopefully everybody can take the journey with me and for me like I said earlier selfishly I, I've gotten so much friends I have made so many great connections I have learned so much from people in the industry that really it has helped me develop stronger and be more efficient and effective at what I do. And I hope, I just hope that the industry is getting, even if they get a fraction of what I'm getting from it, then it's a win-win in my opinion. Um, but I, I enjoy it so much. It's Our industry has been such a, a very humble, um, handshake industry, again, verbally speaking, they're not literally, um, but our industry has just been so, always been such an open industry that everybody I reach out to is so happy to help and to, to assist. And, and nobody feels like competition. Nobody says, well, I'll do it for money. Nobody's in it for any of that. Everybody is in it together. And, and that's just what is amazing thing about our industry. Um, as far as some of the episodes, of course, you know, I, I still feel pretty new at it. I mean, I'm, I've just got a year in under my belt. Um, you know, I did a lot of, it, it was very fun for me because I kind of left my format very open. I, I didn't, I mean, I kind of had some categories that I wanted to go down, but I thought, you know, I'm just going to kind of see where it goes. 
Um, I, I get the, the feedback I get from listeners and, and from the community has just been phenomenal. Um, people are reaching out, to, and I love that. I love the ideas that people are suggesting other guests to be on the show or other companies. Um, I've reached out. I, I did one, I think, in the middle of the year last year, You know, kind of working through this pandemic. I think I called it halftime. And, and I just reached out to dealers in different regions of the country, people that I, I really didn't know any of them. I had either gotten suggestions from some other acquaintances of, of people I should talk to, but I just wanted to find out what the country was experiencing. Obviously, I know what's happening here in the Midwest, but that was just a phenomenal chance just to hear and to connect with other people. Um, so that was a, a one that I really enjoyed a lot last year. But as far as the... Um, the value of it, I, I mean, to me, there's just so much value. There really is. That's that's great. And that's, you know, I would kind of agree with you from my standpoint, too. I, I think doing a podcast and getting to interview different people and, and understanding where they're coming from and what they're going through, it's been really cool just to kind of see what, you know, this year and just doing something like this, you get a chance to have a conversation with someone you, you have always wanted to talk to. That's kind of why I think I like interviewing so much. You know, I, I, I was a writer originally and I still write here and there, but I think the, the interview part and having conversations is what I enjoy the most. So, um, if someone's listening and they aren't subscribed to your podcast, why should they subscribe? And you know, what, when, where can they find you? Like, what should they search for? You know, if they're listening to this, hopefully they know how to find a podcast so then they could go from mine and subscribe to you guys. Yeah, the uh, the podcast itself is just called Building the Future Podcast. Um, okay. The website is buildingthefuturepodcast.com. Uh, I'm on all the major social media channels, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and then, you know, on all the major podcast platforms as well. Uh, if you can't find it, I guess... You can reach out to me, Brett, at BTF Podcast, and I will happily walk you through it. But yes. it should be pretty easily accessible. That's that hardware hospitality right there, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Click the button and you're there. Well, hey, maybe you'll find a pod maybe you'll find a podcast guest out of this too. That would be pretty cool. It's always fun to find someone new to chat with. Um, well, this is where I think it would be fun for Todd to kind of step up as our as our co-host and um so todd if you want to chat a little bit more about um key retail metrics and some of the other things that are going on in the april issue of the magazine and just kind of dig a little deeper um feel free to take the reins i might chime in here and there but i i know you two are the experts in in this area of expertise well you two are the podcast experts so all <laughs> each other at this point yeah exactly yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm a guest on this episode because I uh, wrote for the April uh, issue of Hardware Retailing, which everyone can subscribe to uh, by visiting hardwareretailing.com slash subscribe. You can get the digital edition the moment it's released, and uh, you should do that because in April, Brett Thorne is uh, the focus of the issue, and the, the issue is all about key retail metrics, um, the numbers behind your business. It's beyond sales and uh, Brett and I had a great conversation a few weeks ago about how tracking uh, the key retail metrics, and I say tracking, I mean uh, identifying and then regularly reviewing, not just looking at them once, but Brett and I had a great conversation about how tracking key re retail metrics for his business have helped him uh, become a little more agile and just sort of exposed new 
I don't want to say new truths, but new new ways of looking at his business. So, so yeah, Brett uh, was a great interview source, and uh, he will be the focus in the April issue. So I just kind of wanted to segue into key retail metrics a little bit, um, and I was wondering, Brett, what is the benefit of tracking key retail metrics? What what why should a retailer look beyond sales and look at maybe conversion rate, occupancy costs, marketing and loyalty programs, employee product, productivity, other metrics beyond just sales? What how does that benefit them? There's so much more beyond sales. I mean, obviously sales is one of the KPI, but you know, I, I heard a, a wise man once told me he said, "You can sell yourself into the poorhouse." Because just because you're selling doesn't mean you're making money at the end of the day. Um, you've got to be profitable. You know, you've got to know what your expenses are. You've got to be at healthy margins. You've got to be controlling all of your metrics. And you've got to know what those are. So, you know, watching those and understanding those key metrics is so vital to the bottom line. So... One of the key ways uh, that you look at your key retail metrics is by contributing to the cost of doing business study from NHPA. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how that study helps you kind of recontextualize those figures for your business specifically. So the cost of doing business study, that's something we have participated in and will continue to participate in every year. In my opinion, that is a grail for growth. That is, it is, you're going to get so much out of it. The first thing that I see when you participate in something like that, if you provide your own numbers, because they do offer options to where you could just send in your income statement, your P&L, and they'll pull it out. I've always done it on my own because this, number one, helps me really dive deep into some of my numbers that I don't maybe normally look at to where it really puts them right in my face. So now I have to be looking at all those. But then once I've submitted all that and I get the data back where it shows my numbers compared to the markets and they break it down into different categories, whether you're a home centers, whether you're hardware only, whether you're lumber and building materials, but then it allows me to compare myself to the actual industry. So for me, it's like having a map and a compass. Not only do I see where I'm at, but I also know where I need to be going. Because if you're looking at just your own metrics, you may be making improvements, but you could still be well behind the curve for the industry. So that's where the cost of doing business study comes in to let you know that where the industry is at. So you can now compare yourself to them so you can really find out where those improvements need to be made. Definitely, definitely. And if anyone is listening to this, any retailers in North America are listening to this, you can go to yournhpa.org slash CODB to learn more about the cost of doing business study and to submit your own data. It's totally confidential. It's totally secure. Um, but the more the merrier, the more data we collect for that study, the stronger it becomes. So I'm glad to hear that retailers like you are really using it. And one of the most interesting things that I that we talked about was that um, it's not just a solo thing for you to look through the, the cost of doing business study. You told me that you share a lot of the metrics with uh, your team. And I was wondering what value that, that gives you. Yeah, so for our locations, we've got uh, managers at each one of our operations. And I always go through the metrics and I share that with them. Maybe not the full depth and breadth of it. If they yeah. want to see it, obviously they can. We're more than happy to share that with them. 
but I don't want to give them paralysis from analysis. So I try to go through and I try to pick out, you know, both some things that are positive and then some things that can be worked on to say, hey, you know, here's where you're at. This is where you're performing really well. You know, here's some areas that maybe need some improvement. And there's a lot of things that I really focus on. You know, I look at a lot of the sales dollars and gross margin dollars per employee, but then also per transaction. I look at our inventory turns compared to the market. I look at credit card fees. It's been a big one um, for us. I, I know that especially as we develop more and more into that do-it-yourself customer and that walk-in traffic, those things continue to go. And I think that the way our economy is changing and the, the fact that maybe money, paper money is not being used as much, those are things that are going to continue to change. Um, I look at things like to total payroll. I look at things like sales dollars per square foot of selling area. So I know that if we're merchandising our stores better or if we need to be making improvements there. And then I will take all that debt and I will give it to those individual managers and say, hey, you know what? Here's some areas where we can grow, where we can improve. We can do better. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was really interesting when, when you and I talked for the print article, you said that um, one of the one of the figures that you look at from the cost of doing business study and internally at NHPA, we call it CODB. So I'm trying not to call it CODB, but one of the figures that you looked at uh, was in one of the, <laughs> one of the figures you looked at, one of the figures you looked at is uh, compensation uh, by employee position. And you said something really interesting that that's going to become, in your opinion, much more valuable as the years go on. And after hardware and home improvement was deemed an essential industry, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, why it matters to look at employee compensation and where where that might lead to, uh, in the future for home improvement in the years to come. Yeah, so in compensation parole, I want to make sure, I, I look at that because I want to see, you know, how we're stacking up, you know, I, I want to make sure that we're competitive because, yeah. and I think our industry as a whole, we are going to have to become much more competitive. We have a lot of tenure in our industry that is going to be leaving, I think, in the next 5, 10, 15 years. And I say our industry, not just on the retail side, even on the the specialty side, uh, you, you see it throughout the different we hear it from our contractors. We hear it from our, our plumbers, our HVAC guys. I mean, there's just so little coming into this industry versus what we're going to start seeing leaving that I think we're going to have to really take hard looks at that. So, okay, you know, are we competitive with other industries so that we can draw good talent? We can get people that are motivated and really want to come to this industry. This industry is such an amazing industry. Renee, you and I talked about this on our very first podcast, um, something that I, I've stolen from Rick Davis time and time again. You know, I, I want to give credit where credit is due, but I heard him say, this is the sexy industry. And it really is. When you look at, number one, what we do and what we produce, you look at the finished products, the homes, the buildings, the structures that are beautiful and amazing. But then you also look at this industry that has such a low barrier of entry, and there's just so many different avenues of opportunities that you can take in this industry. It is such an amazing industry. We have got to do a better job of selling that to the youth of America to get them to come here. And I think part of that is going to be that compensation package, making sure that we are competitive, again, with other industries so that we can entice them to say, hey, you know what? You can make a good living here. This is a good place to 
put your stake in the ground and say, I want to be a part of this. So we will be uh, opening up in, uh, submissions for retailers across the U.S. to submit their financial data safely and securely. I want to say that each and every time uh, for the cost of doing business study later uh, this year. And then we will present the final report uh, closer to the end of the year uh, for 2021. And it's interesting because the 2021 cost of doing business study will feature financial data from fiscal year 2020. And everyone on this call, everyone who's listening knows fiscal year 2020 has been one for the books. So I'm wondering when you get the 2021 cost of doing business study, what is the first metric that you definitely want to look at? Where do you want to see how the industry moved in 2020? Hmm. Well, and I'm trying to think if there's something distinctly different that I want to look at this year compared to normal years. Um, one of the things I'd be really interested to look at is probably the uh, cost of goods sold. What kind of change there's been there with all these, like we talked about earlier, with all these drastic price hikes and how much more expensive everything has got, all the components that goes into everything. I'm very curious to see, you know, how, how our numbers would stack up there with everything that we this pandemic has brought to our industry or done to our industry. One of the things you mentioned earlier in this podcast was that it's uh, it's one thing to look at your your financial data when you're in a moment of crisis, but probably the better move is to wait or to to do it when things are stable, when things look calm. And so I just I would just hope that every retailer who's listening to this, you know, visits yournhpa.org/codb and uh, submits their data. But I was wondering if there was a retailer who was on the fence who had never done it before. Was there any advice that you'd give them, Brett, that would sort of entice them to to participate in this year's study you know this as i said before this is really gives you good footing and good ground to understand how your performance is i mean when you look at just as i said before when you look at just your numbers i mean yeah they may improve they may not do as well but you still don't know how you're doing compared to the industry if you don't know where you need to be then you you really could be lost in the dark all the time and that's where i said the it's like having a map and a compass it's knowing where you are but then also knowing where you're going you kind of have to have both in order to get someplace yeah definitely. well yeah i think i think that's about it but i just uh i i um i hope everyone who's listening to this podcast goes to hardwareretailing.com slash subscribe and they can get uh the digital issue of hardware retailing's april edition the moment it's released and you'll learn all about brett thorne uh thorne lumber and um sort of how he uses the cost of doing business study to evaluate key retail metrics and why that's so valuable not just for brett but for every retailer in the home improvement industry so I do have to say too that because we I, I talk to retailers who are like oh I want the study and um, if you don't participate it costs five hundred dollars so I mean participate you get it for free and you get your numbers and all that other extra all the extra goodies that come along with it to see um, where your business falls so I would recommend doing it for that reason as well save money save money exactly so um is there anything else that we haven't talked about today that you want to you know leave our our listeners with we kind of talked about the whole 
you know, talked about COVID a little bit, talked about the podcast, your podcast, um, and then of course data and and what's going on with the cost of doing business study and your involvement in the upcoming issue. So you're about to have your your magazine. I'll probably are you going to be? Is he going to be on the cover? Todd? We'll be on the cover. Yes. Oh, so you'll be a cover star. So you're going to have to. <laughs> We'll have to send you extra copies so you can sign it, autograph it, and send it out to your friends. Well, one thing I noticed, uh, Brett is uh, a great retailer for many reasons. One of them is being that he tracks his key retail metrics. He's also a branding expert. I noticed in his uh, photos, his belt buckle was the Building the Future uh, logo. So I was like, oh, wow. wow. Really playing a three-dimensional chess right here. So I was very impressed. Very impressed. Nice catch, Todd. Very good job. <laughs> what's next for Thorne Lumber? After, after a year like 2020, what's next for Thorne Lumber? You know, for us, we've always prided ourselves on building the communities that have built us. Yeah. So, you know, we have such an amazing people. And I, I say people as in our customers, our team members, our communities. You know, we love what we do. You know, we love opening our doors every day. We love servicing these communities. We love building, and that is both internal and external. So for us, it's just continuing to do that. I mean, we, we get so much satisfaction out of that. It's good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show to both Brett and Todd. So now, Todd, I'll just have to call you and say I need I need an extra host on the episode. Can you help me? Can you? I might be on can you? After this, I don't know how great. <laughs> no, <it's> <laughs> never. I think we'll have to create a fourth podcast, and it'll be po- it'll be called Todd Talks. <laughs> I don't know about Ooh, that. Ooh, there's a good one. That's a good yeah. Idea. Well, it's been great getting to catch up with you today, yep. guys. Thanks again. Thank you for doing this. Podcast.